Let's continue to worship the Lord together with the reading of God's Word. And we'll be in Jeremiah uh, chapter 9 this morning and read verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 starts with a remarkable phrase. Thus says the Lord... Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, would you give us grace now as we think about what you have said through the prophet Jeremiah that our boast and what we boast in and what you delight in would be synonymous. Make it so for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in seminary, um, I think some of the best advice I was ever given uh, about preaching a sermon was in our sermon preparation class. In one of the first days of class, one of the young and eager students raised a hand towards the end of class and asked the professor, I'd just like to know uh, how many points should a good sermon have? And the professor thought for a moment and said, at least one, at least one. So I do have a main point, and I hope it's uh, prayed that and trust in light of the scripture, it will be a worthwhile point. I'm going to make it by asking you this question. It'll only benefit you if you ask it, I'm sorry, if you answer it honestly. So it's a fill in the blank. So you fill in the blank, all right? My life would be better if, and now you fill in the blank. What what do you really think would make your life better? More joy or more peace or more life in your life. Now, anytime we study the Scripture, we just read these verses, you always want to pay attention to repeated words and phrases. And in this verse, these two verses, you see the word boast, right? We see it multiple times. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. So if we're going to understand the verse correctly, we have to understand what the word boast means. And that's why I asked you that question. However you answered the, the, the statement, my life would be better if, or maybe you'd say my life would be better when, and how you answered it tells you what you boast in. It means what you put your confidence in. What you put your trust in, what you look to for life, for, for security. And we're told, in, of course, in these verses, not to put your confidence in three specific things. And we'll talk about each of them in turn, because those are the three things we're most prone to put our confidence and hope in. And you remember Jeremiah sent by God to speak to his generation for 40 years. I think our first uh, sermon from Jeremiah, we asked it this way, where are you going to be in 40 years? 40 years from right now, where are you going to be? And I say with confidence, every person in the room, you did the math in your mind, you're going to be somewhere. 
You're never going to cease to exist. You're made for eternity. You'll be somewhere 40 years from now. The benefit of a prophet like Jeremiah is he'll help us as God speaks through him to make sure that 40 years from now you're with the Lord. Your life, it's got a foundation. You're building your life on something, your hope, your stability, what you're boasting in. Maybe you'd ask it, or maybe you could say it this way. In the quietness of your soul, if you ever actually have a quiet soul, but if you have a quietness of your soul, you tell yourself, everything's going to be all right because the three most common things we build our lives on are being smart enough, strong enough, or wealthy enough to be able to deal with whatever may come. Now, here's what Jeremiah's generation needs to know. Here's what we need to know. Some things are coming. Some things are coming that it doesn't matter how smart you are, how strong you are, how much money you've got, they're going to be greater than you. Because Jesus is coming. He's coming. Now, the Bible teaches us that we either boast or put our confidence in the Lord or in something the Lord has made. If you've got an outline and you want to follow along, the first point I want to make from Jeremiah is idolatry leads to captivity and exile. So, you, again, you boast either in the Creator or something in creation. So if you boast, if you hope, if you trust, if you build your life on something in creation rather than the Creator, that is idolatry. That's what idolatry means. And idolatry is a matter of the, of the heart. Maybe a better way to say it is idolatry is captivity and exile. Now, we used this illustration last week. We're going to keep using it this week and probably keep it using it next week. I call it the counsel of the heart. In every heart, no matter your age, no matter your background this morning, in every single heart, you got two places. One is the position of authority. We'll call this the king or the queen chair. Somebody sits here. And then you've got the servant chair. The king or queen is the one issuing the commands. In other words, it's in this position that, that you answer the question, life will be better if. Now, here's the deal. Is here's how we're born. Is we're born thinking we occupy this space. I'm in charge. I rule over me. Now, here's, here's the captivity part of the heart. Because if you sit in this chair, as we talked last week and you've used the illustration before, who sits in that chair? Well, here's the struggle. It's also actually you. This is why some of us can't get any sleep at night. Because we spend our days from one to the other. Now, last week I just used this as kind of a silly illustration. Oftentimes, King Brandon will tell himself, you should lose 10 pounds. I've told myself that for years. And here's how we're going to do it. It's a good plan. Diet and exercise. Good plan, isn't it? And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, I was at Sam's Club. Sam Club size Reese's peanut butter eggs. Let's just have a moment of silence for the Reese's peanut butter eggs. You are looking at a man who has eaten about, I won't even say, a lot of Reese's peanut butter. So King Brandon said diet and exercise. Servant Brandon's at Sam's Club, and you know what I said to King Brandon? I'm tired of listening to you. I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth. Be quiet. 
Because you've got desires that are stronger than you are. How many of you have said, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to look at that again. I'm never going to do, go there again. King, you said that this time we're going to get it. And then it's just a matter of time, isn't it? It's just a matter of time. Now, this is a business meeting that happens in your own heart, right? Nobody talks to you about you more than you. And this is where you develop some plans. But this is idolatry. This is exile. Because you and I were never meant for this chair. You've only tricked yourself if you think you sit there. But in that moment of deception, there's some things you begin to look to. So just use this illustration for a few minutes this morning. The first thing is, King Yu says, this is true for some of us, we just need more wisdom. You just get into that school, you get that degree, that's how you're going to get somewhere in life. And now servant you has to read all these books, right? And my life will be better if and when I was just a little bit smarter. Now you notice what Jeremiah says. He doesn't say, let not the person who thinks he's wise boast in wisdom. He says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Now here's a question. Who's the wisest man who ever lived? Solomon was. Who's the strongest man who ever lived? Samson was. Who's the richest man who ever lived? Well, you might say Solomon, or we can just say, think about the rich young ruler. Now, what do we know about all three of those people? And they had a heart that lived in exile from God because their boast, their hope was in something. Now, I'll just be straightforward with you. This was never really my issue because I was really never ever all that smart. But some of us think, man, if I can just get enough book knowledge, that's when life will really be life. Maybe for you it's not books. Maybe it's, it's might. I'm just going to say I was going to use this, but I'm not. I believe in church unity. So I decided to use a football and a football. And a mirror, we'll get to that in a moment. But man, if I can just excel, if I can just be the strongest, if I can just be the fastest, my boast will be in my might. Or I brought a mirror, because you might say, if my appearance, man, man, we live in a culture where obsessed with these kinds of things. If I could just look a certain way, if I could just have certain achievements on the basketball court or on the football field or just my might. But here's what's in common. The wisdom, might, and riches. Think with me for a moment. What do they all have in common? They're really uncertain, aren't they? And then you have to ask this question. Wise, mighty, or rich in comparison to who? Because if you sit in this chair... Here's the trap. Here's the idolatry and the exile. If you try to sit here, you're always comparing yourself to everyone else, aren't you? Am I mightier? Am I wealthier? And, and, and so other human beings become competitors, not people you genuinely love, care about, or serve. So we got, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches. 
So maybe this isn't you, but, but you think, man, my life would be better if and when, in this case, I just got my wallet. <laughs> I brought something else we'll talk about here in a second. And now you're telling servant you if we can just achieve a certain status of wealth. But here's the, here's the deal with that. It's not ever enough, is it? It's not ever enough. And another kind of deal in our culture is uh, we think maybe we'll get to a place where technology will help us. I brought this. Might be hard to see on the camera, I know. There was a time in my life where this was cutting-edge technology, the Game Boy Advance. When I was a teenager, man, this was the graphics. Were, man, you know what this is? Collector's item at this point. And got a little Super Mario Brothers action going here. It all fades, doesn't it? We're prone to put our confidence in these things. But the truth of the matter is, it's just a matter of time where they'll be demonstrated that they're not to be trusted. So idolatry leads to captivity and exile. And the second is that the heart in exile will boast in the wrong things. We had a little hill in our front yard. It was actually about the height of this stage here, this platform. And, and when I was coming along, seven, eight, nine years old, two older brothers, and we play a game called King of the Hill. And we lived on a cul-de-sac with a whole lot of other guys. And, and our game was that one person would stand at the top and everybody would charge. And if you could kind of knock that person or drag that person down, then you would become King of the Hill. And then it immediately flipped. And then it's go. I never won it once. Never went at once. But there were times that I'd go out into the yard when nobody else was around and just stand there for a minute. Just kind of put my hands there. And then my brothers would walk out and they said, what are you doing? I don't know. And we love to give out titles like World's Strongest Man or Mr. Universe. I often wonder what God feels about those titles. You, you were made from the dust of the ground and now you've crowned yourself Mr. Universe. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. And the good thing about God is he tells you not only what not to do, but what to do. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Just real fast, there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing him. When he says that you understand me, that means that you really know me. You know my heart. You know my ways. And, and in the same way, he says, here's three things don't boast in. Here's three attributes of God to delight in. He's a God of steadfast love. You know what steadfast love is, don't you? It means it's not wishy-washy. God doesn't love you on the basis of your performance. How, how many of you had an outstanding performance this week in loving and obeying the Lord at all times? Of course not. But his love is steadfast. Hey, if there's anybody in the room that says, well, man, I've gone too far and done too much. Do you know the majority of the New Testament is written by the man who tried to destroy the church? The Apostle Paul said that. God saved me as an example. That if he can rescue me from the pit I was in, there's nobody too far out of the reach of God. But now we're going to run into a little bit of an issue. Because it is true, friends. He is a God of steadfast love. What's the next word in the verse, though? 
and justice. Now, that ought to at least let you raise your eyebrows a moment. Because if God is just, I'm in trouble. Because I know me. And I know I've tried to sit there. And that seat doesn't belong to me. So now I've got an issue. And it keeps going. And he's right in righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. Well, one of the reasons I think we might try to fill our life up with wisdom and might and, and riches in, a, in an earthly sense is so that we don't have to take the time to No, I've got to stand before the Lord. Well, boast is such an important word. I want us to read a New Testament passage together. And it was written by the man I mentioned earlier, the Apostle Paul. So turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 14. It's worth pointing out that Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians to a to a church that had begun to boast in the wrong things. They'd come under some false teaching, and in essence, this group called the Judaizers had come along and essentially had told that Paul had started the church there in Galatia and he'd been gone for a little while, and these other false teachers crept in and began to convince people that that you had to well be circumcised and and uh, and kind of keep the law in order to be rescued in order to be saved and so Paul writes the book of Galatians for us to know it's only by grace we're saved and and he says in in Galatians 6 verse 14 and I was 13 or 14 years old uh, somebody gave me a little gift and and it was this verse kind of in a picture frame And, and so this verse sat on my desk all through high school and all through college I love this verse, and it's telling us something so vital. Paul says, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Now, so far this morning, we've seen three things not to boast in, wisdom, might, And riches. But I want you to see that the wisdom, the might, and the riches of God are given to you at the cross. That's why why Paul says, I'm not going to boast in anything except the cross. Now, when we said a mighty, rich, or, uh, or wise in comparison to who, it's at the cross that the wisdom of God is displayed. Here's why. Do you see steadfast love at the cross? Absolutely. Do you see justice at the cross. Here's the good news of the gospel. God is just. In Christ Jesus, we see that God didn't sort of set aside his justice in order to love you. No, Jesus takes the wrath on himself. That's a call back to what we read from John's gospel. If you've not believed in Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. That's what John chapter 3 said. We read it. But Jesus faces the wrath of God in our place. It's the righteousness of God. Friends, you want to boast, you want to build your life, you want to trust, you want to hope in what doesn't fade. 
And what doesn't fade is the love of God for you in Christ Jesus, specifically as it's displayed at the cross. But notice what he says about the cross. He says, The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Well, one way of understanding that is that when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, you recognize this was never my chair, and when I sat in it, I was just tricking myself, deceiving myself. And and he belongs here. He's the ruler. He's the authority. And man, the good news, and we'll study this more as we approach Easter. You You know, when you try to live in charge of your life, isn't it exhausting? Anybody been there? Maybe you are there this morning. Now, I'm not going to do this, but because I'm really not in all that good shape. But let's just suppose that I was sitting here, and a hundred times I just went back and forth, back and forth. I'd be winded, exhausted, miserable, sweating. You'd hate it. I'd hate it. That's why we're not going to do it. But is anybody living like that? It's really not um, a one-time thing. There's a moment at conversion when you realize and understand, man, I'm not going to uh, occupy this seat anymore. This belongs to the Lord. But man, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what Jeremiah says. God, God's begun to renew our hearts, but there's still something in us. It's the old nature, the old nature, the old person that says, I want, does it creep up in you? So I kind of want to sit there again. It's difficult because... God's a glorious creator, and so the things he has made are amazing. If you're not careful, you'll start to think, I want to go back to the trusting in my wisdom, my might, or my riches. That's why this verb's important. The world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to me. To the world. Has that happened in your life? Where, where you said, I'm not going to live as I've lived before. I've seen the Lord for who he is. My boast is in him. Here, um, last point for the morning is, uh, do, you, do you remember how the Lord explained it to us? We sit at his table. Kind of when you're in charge, this is like a business meeting. You know what I mean? Like you got your list and here's the things and we got to do this, this, and this. And if you'll do these things and get to this school or you make this enough money or you've got this and you're the best player at the Y basketball. I mean, I don't know. But man, God is so good that this isn't a business meeting table. This is a dinner table. God wants to sit with you in the Bible word is fellowship. When we observe communion, do this in remembrance of me. And we do this until we, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, right? If you're going to boast in anything, if you're going to build your life on anything, Jeremiah says, boast in this, that you know and understand the Lord. Well, in conclusion, um, 
Jeremiah was preaching to a, to a generation that got confused about something. And here's what they got confused about. They confused God's patience with sinners for tolerance of sin. And man, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous deception. And then they began to think to themselves, God has protected us in the past. He'll protect us in the present no matter what we do. And here's what we can know and understand about the Lord. He is a God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. He delights in those things. The safe place for all eternity, 40 years from now and into eternity, is that your boast is in the Lord. Your boast is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to end with the same question we started with. In your life right now, say, my life would be so much better if, or my life will be so much better when. May God give us the grace to say, my life will be better and better as I know and understand the Lord more and more. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to pray together this morning. As you bow your heads with me, and we pray together. What are you boasting in? That's the important question of the morning. As, we've, as we have been studying the book of Jeremiah, here's what we've learned. So many people in his generation would have answered the question, I'm boasting in the Lord, but they weren't. They were boasting in their wisdom. They were boasting in their might. And they were boasting in their riches. Now, Father, we pray and ask for grace. Was it profit? Was it profit to gain the whole world? What, what would it profit to have the most prestigious academic position in the country? What, what benefit would it to be the most attractive or successful athlete in all the world, what, what benefit would it be to be the wealthiest person on the planet for 30, 40, 50 years and forfeit my soul? Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see there is no wisdom greater than the cross. There's no mightier thing than the cross. Where real riches are to be found is in the crucified King. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Pray all this in His name.